with. And Pastor Bruce asked me to fill in for him today. Our plan originally was to have some testimonies about the big serve that would bring us some encouragement and get us maybe motivated for the fall. But in trying to contact people, it seemed as if everyone was out of town. So I texted Pastor Bruce and I said, everyone that I asked is out of town, what do we do now? And his response to me was, then I would recommend you sharing from an outreach perspective God's calling on us as a church. Share about the big serve and our heart to make this not just an event, but a lifestyle. Hope that helps. It didn't. Not at first, anyways. But then I, I began thinking a little bit more about what he'd written. And what stood out to me was God's calling on us as a church and our desire, our heart, to make this not just an event, but a lifestyle. And as I meditated on that more and more, I began to get a little better sense of, of what God might want to say. So if you're looking for a title this morning, the title would be The Heart of Outreach. So let's define outreach right off the bat. What is outreach? Well, you can take one dictionary definition, the one I like the most, right? it's the activity or process of bringing information or services to people. The activity of bringing information or services to people that are outside of your company or group. Okay? So if we use that as a definition, uh, let's see here. I, uh, for a number of years, I worked in food service. I was a food service manager. Uh, a couple of places that I worked at, uh, one, some of you know, I was out at Prairie Correctional Facility when it was open. I was one of the original employees out there at that prison when Appleton was open back in 93, I think. And I also did a couple of stints there. During that time, I was the food service director. And while there, one of the things that was kind of nice about working at the prison is I didn't have to go looking for business. It came to me. All of my customers were already there. Matter of fact, they couldn't go anywhere. And so I didn't have to worry about any type of outreach. I didn't have to go and try to find people to come because there was only one place for them to eat, and we were it. Now, sometime after that, when I got fired, <laughs> I let go. Actually, not as bad as you think, but yes, I did let, did let go of it. And uh, should I explain that? Or are you just making me feel You'll just have to wonder. After I left there, we'll just put it that way, I went to work for Pizza Hut. And Pizza Hut was a little bit different. Because at Pizza Hut, we didn't just expect people to come in, but we actually had the uniform of outreach. We had to go and get them because we wanted customers. And we wanted to get as many customers as we can because you're a profit business and you're trying to make money. And so you advertise and you have word of mouth and you talk to people and you build relationships, all in the hopes that 
they will come and take part of the service that you are wanting to provide. So there are two different things. So outreach, folks, uh, when you're looking at this from a business standpoint, would be the activity or, pro- or process of bringing information or services to people. We brought information, meaning, hey, we are Pizza Hut, we've got great pizza, we're way better than Pizza Ranch, come on over. And we had the service that we were providing to back that up. We wanted to, we want, we wanted to feed you. So when we talk about biblical outreach, we're going to use the same definition, but we're going to change our thinking just a little bit. Biblical outreach would be the activity or process of bringing information, the gospel, or services. I like this word, purposeful act of kindness. Can you use the word camera? Did you make that up, Pam? Is that your Pam? Pam has coined that phrase as, as opposed to a random act of kindness. It is a purposeful act of kindness to people. The activity or process of bringing information, that information be the gospel, or services, purposeful acts of kindness to people not currently here. But to understand outreach, I think we need to understand where it fits in the bigger picture of life. So I want to just briefly discuss three related components that I think impact outreach in a great way. So I'm going to give you three words here. The first word is purpose. Purpose is the why. Purpose is the goal line. It's the destination. It is where we want to go. It is ultimately this is what we want to accomplish. Calling. Calling is the vehicle that you take to get to your destination. Whether it's uh, whether it's a minivan or an SUV or a little for those of you that made a little bit more money, a little sports car, your calling is the vehicle that you take that gets you to your destination. And mission will be the third word we'll talk about. Mission is the route that you decide to take to your destination. It is the how you end up actually accomplishing that purpose that you started with. Right? So let's, uh, let's see, you give us a little idea of what purpose is. Taylor, can you uh, give us a hand here? I've got a little clip here which will do a pretty good job of explaining purpose. I will now fulfill Fanan's destiny. Born in the jungles of Guatemala, braving up to blast the marauding elephants, halfway around the world, now his destiny fulfilled and be consumed by me. Enjoy this banana, for this is what you were made for. This is why you were placed on our blue planet. Here at the end of your life, you may look back without regret, for you were made for me, and in you, I am well pleased. Enter into the joy of your master. I know that that banana has been training us 24 hours, and I enjoy The building is clock down, post it. Purpose. The purpose of that banana was to be eaten. The calling on that banana was to go to a restaurant, and its mission was to be consumed as part of a banana split by someone outside of that restaurant. Does that explain a little bit of purpose to you? Now, in my own life, when I look at my purpose, I look at what I think I'm really here on the planet for. And, you know, when you're young, I don't know if you think about this a whole lot. 
But the older I get, and the more I see of life, the more I feel it's vital and urgent for me to understand why I'm here. And frankly, I think I ask questions now about it, but I probably didn't when I was in my teens and 20s and even 30s, you know. Uh, the, the midlife crisis is a real thing because you get to a point in life where you actually start thinking about whether the decisions you're making in life are really matter. Now, I am beyond the midlife crisis if I if this truly is midlife and even the little 102. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know that I really want to happen, to tell you the truth. But I'll tell you this. I am at a point right now where more and more I think, Lord, what is my purpose? And am I really accomplishing it? When I think about my purpose personally, I think of a few things. One is I believe that I'm here to grow in a personal intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I believe that that is first and foremost God's purpose in being on earth. Everything else pales in comparison, and everything else really comes as a result of that one purpose. That's got to be number one. Secondly, I think that God's purpose for my life is to share His love with others through my words and my actions. I believe that that is the purpose that I have. And also to help other believers mature in their relationship and in their mission as a follower of Christ. If you had, to, if you asked me, Gary, why in the world did God put you on this earth? Why did, why, why are you still here today? Why did He allow you to wake up? Those are the reasons that I give you. I believe that God has created everyone with a purpose. To Jeremiah, He told him, "Before you were born, I knit you in the womb. I knew you." He says, "I made you. I knew you. I set you apart." That speaks of purpose. And folks, he says that to every single one. There is a purpose that each of us has. Secondly, calling. Now, another word for calling that I like to use is passion. It's the thing through which God, it's the vehicle that God wants to use for you to have an impact in this world and to fulfill your purpose. Uh, for me, personally, it was, uh, it, was, it was mission. That was one of the first callings in my life that I felt was called mission. I felt the call to you early on as a teenager. I knew that God had called me to work with young people. Also, food. I love food. I've always loved food. Can that be a call? You better can. Uh, I felt that I, I felt a passion. It was something that I was attracted to. It was something that I could be good at. It was natural for me, and it was also a field that I ended up spending a number of years in. I've also felt a calling to pastor people. I felt a calling to teach. I felt a calling to mentor. These are all callings that I believe that God has placed in my life, and I didn't always know what to do with them, but I believe that those passions and those motivations were something that God was going to use in my life to impact people. Jeremiah, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And I think that God put in Jeremiah something, you, you know, we, we look at prophets as uh, sometimes pretty harsh and just black and white people. But I think there's a reason that Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And I think it, it, it was part of the call that God put in his life because I think that there was a there was an ache in his heart for the people of God. And even as he had to prophesy destruction on them and warnings and all of this seemingly negative stuff, 
Uh, I don't think he ever did it in a way of just pointing a finger. I mean, he did it in a way to express God's broken heart over the broken state of his people. And so Jeremiah had that calling on him, that prophetic calling on his life. And then there's mission. Mission is, I believe, the route that you take to get to your destination. It's what you actually end up doing in life. For me, that meant that calling to mission, I became a missionary. I am now, I've been a pastor now and one to pastor another for the last 11 years. Uh, tennis coach, uh, sports, as a calling, uh, God gave me a mission to be a tennis coach. And for about uh, 15 years ago, I started that journey. And it's something that allows me to impact people and, uh, and, and to touch people for the Lord. Uh, food service, spent a number of years in food service as well. That was, a, I believe, a mission that God had for me. And, you know, you know, the tough thing sometimes about sitting in these pews is that it's very easy to look up here and think that the people that are up here have a ministry and I don't. I'm going to show you a clip here that I think uh, hopefully will give us a clear understanding of both calling and mission in our life. That's not how to work in the restaurant business. Being around people and not being in a cubicle or anything else of that nature. I really enjoy it. And I'll say, no, that's what makes it kind of fun. You know, Chick-fil-A in 1997, I thought I started the trials on the board. For me, my first thing I have is to glorify God. To know him and to make him known. My strength, um, I think, is being able to help conversations with folks and have three particular restaurants and you know, each different concepts. But the one thing we have in common is people. Most of the time when I meet someone new, the first thing I think of, I want to start as a believer. What's he been through today? Everybody has a story. Someone, there's a gentleman over here eating a chick fil a What if he had something over his head that he could read that whatever he went through? Last week or yesterday, it was just something really bad to sit down and share the gospel with him if you need that. But if he was a believer, if he seemed to be encouraging, every customer that comes through that door, I believe God's sitting through me. Scripture tells us that we were created to worship. And one way to worship is going to work. Going to work every day and doing the best we can. Striking people to surround me, to, to lift up the name of the Lord in this business, that's going to make a difference in people's lives. When I just walk through the door, we're able to interact with them. And maybe they have a bad day, it gives us a chance to make them happy. After I found an amazing every day, I was called to be a missionary in my own backyard. Isn't that cool? Did you hear that? I feel like I am called to be a ministry expert. I am a missionary in my own backyard. You know, when I was in when I was in the army, I, I was about 26 when I joined the army, so I was a little bit older than most guys that entered for the first time. And maybe that was part of it, but I remember feeling during those especially those first four years. I spent eight years in all together, but especially those first four years when I was on active duty. I remember just having this sense that 
This is a God thing. Heidi will tell you about the tears that she shed in particular when we made this decision to go to, to, for me to join the army. Because it was one of the things that she said she asked me not to do before we ever got married. And I told her, being an army brat, I said, honey, you don't ever have to worry. I am not going to join the army. But when God began to make it apparent that this was his call in my life, we both knew that it's what we needed to do. And over those four years, I knew that every day for me was an opportunity for me not just to be good at what I did, to show excellence in what I did, but it was an opportunity for me to touch people with God's love. And I still have relationships today because of that decision to join over 25 years ago. And I still have opportunities to impact people's lives today simply because of that. When we moved here to Montevideo and I began to work for Pizza Hut, once again, I knew that this was my mission field. I knew that I wasn't going there just to make a profit for Pizza Hut, but I was going there because there were people there that God was going to bring that He wanted my life to impact. And I think it is so important for us as believers to understand that there is a call of God on their life. And it's not something that you have to make up or pretend to have. It is something that is probably in you. And you may not know it, but if you ask the we will reveal that to you. And it's going to have a lot to do with your natural bent, with your natural giftings and talents and what you like to do. And it's important to understand that that is a vehicle that God wants to use to help you impact people for the kingdom of God. So when we take these three things, we take purpose, and calling and mission, what we find is that outreach on a personal level occurs when I allow my purpose, my calling, and my mission to reach others for Christ. Now, of course, Jesus models so well the concept of outreach. And I want to share just a few a few things that I, when I, when I look at the life of Jesus, a few things that I see that, that really show this, the, the importance of a life that is tuned towards outreach. Let's look at, uh, if you have a Bible, uh, you, can, you don't have to turn it if you don't want to, but Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 is, is where we're going to begin. And when I look at the model that Jesus set for outreach, the first thing that I see is found in this passage. Galatians 4. Verses 4 and 5. But when the set time is fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So the first thing we learn from Jesus' life is that biblical outreach is initiated by the one reaching out. Not because He's invited, but because He sees a need. What an incredible thing for God to see the plight of man. And instead of, as we so often do, when we see people with problems and issues, and, and even people who have caused their own problems, you know, sometimes you see bad things happen to good people, and you think, man, you know, I want to help them. I, I should do something. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. But oftentimes, we see people who have created their own problems, who have made choices that are just unwise and even foolish, and we can easily say to ourselves, wow, you know what? You got yourself in it, you need to get yourself out of it. 
Shouldn't that have been God's approach to us? And yet, in spite of that, He saw the need that we had, and He saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. And He took the initiative to leave heaven and to come and walk among us. The second thing I see about Jesus' model and outreach is Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I think of New Testament biblical outreach, what I see as a characteristic is that it is it's motivated by love. We don't pursue others for our own sake or because we want to, or even because they need because we because we feel they kind of need. But we really do it because we love people. That is what motivated Jesus to do what he did. Romans two four says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, when you talk about sin, it's it's so easy to look at the world and to think that, you know, you, you can almost get disgusted by the things that you read. I don't know how much you, you read the news or the papers, but, you know, I, I, notice, I notice how depraved people are and, quite frankly, how wicked they can be at times. And sometimes it's easy, like Jonah. You know, when God called Jonah to be a missionary, Jonah, Jonah's, Jonah, Jonah refused, and the reason he refused is because he saw the wickedness of those people. And he thought, you know, they don't deserve it. And yet God shows us what real love is, that while we were still sinners, while we were just wallowing and happy in our own sin, He reached out to us because He loved us. A third characteristic that I see is that biblical outreach focuses on the lost, the undesirable, and the broken. If you would, uh, turn your Bible over to Luke chapter 19. I think this is a story that does a great job of illustrating the type of people that Jesus wants to reach. It's a well-known one. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not, because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of his king. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek to save what was lost. You know, I think there are so many among us, so many outside of these walls, who know that they don't deserve to be in God's presence. They know 
that they don't deserve salvation or forgiveness. You can talk, I would say, to most people, and they would probably be able to give you a great list of what's wrong in their life. I really find that in my personal dealings with people, it is far easier to get someone who is not a believer to talk openly and honestly about their brokenness than it is sometimes to get people in the church to talk about their brokenness. And yet, the people that Jesus went after time and time again were broken. They were sinners. They were undesirable. They were just like the tax collector who, when he stood before God, couldn't even look up. But he beat his chest and could only talk about how unworthy he was to stand before God. And I think there's something about that that Jesus just loved. The woman at the well, he didn't try to hide or defend the fact that she'd been married so many times and was now living with another man. And I just think that Jesus is so attractive to people who know that they don't have it all together. Another characteristic that I think Jesus shows is found in Matthew 14, 14. It says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sin. This shows me that in biblical outreach, compassion equals action. There are several passages in the Gospels that are just like that. They talk about how Jesus felt compassion and then because of that compassion, it describes what he did, which in most cases was to bring some type of healing to them. Jesus' compassion was unequal, and it always led to him doing something on behalf of those that he had compassion to. Number five goes right along with this characteristic of biblical outreach I love. It is that biblical outreach is selfless and self-sacrificial. In that same passage in Matthew 14, right before it says that he felt compassion and healed their sick, the backstory to that was that just prior to him doing what he did, he had just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. And Matthew writes that after hearing the news, Jesus left. So he was with the crowd, and it says he left to find a place of solitude. Uh, he just wanted to be alone. And I'm sure a lot of us have been in that situation where something happens to us that really affects us personally. And you know what? The last thing on our mind is wanting to go out and touch people for Jesus. Uh, we, we need some me time. We need, we need time to, to think, to process, to be sad, to pout to grieve, to do, to do whatever. And that's not necessarily wrong. But here's what happens. It says that he gets in a boat and he leaves the crowd and he crosses to the other side looking for some, some, some me time. And it says the crowd somehow follows him. And so he gets to the other side and instead of having time to himself, this group of people are still wanting, they're still needing and I think for many of us, myself included, that would probably be the time where I'd have to say, hey, you know, time out, guys. You know what? You guys have got to go do your thing. Uh, I need some time alone. And yet, 
his response is just the opposite. That's where it says that you know Jesus he saw the crowd he had compassion on them and he healed their sin. Folks, I'll tell you, I, I, I see more and more that the outreach culture that God has called me to it does not involve my personal comfort being a priority. I have got to be willing to sacrifice. I've got to be willing to be selfless. And I need the work of the Holy Spirit in me to do that. Another characteristic that I see about biblical outreach is this. Because I believe that it is a it's a byproduct of a growing an intimate relationship with Jesus and on the call on our lives to be a disciple. You know, I think that I think that understanding the need to reach out beyond ourselves, it will come naturally as we make being closer to Jesus more of a priority in our life. So you know, let me add let me add one more to that too. I just, this wasn't in my notes, but I was thinking about it earlier. You know, one of the things that Jesus models about outreach is that he loves people even when he knew they might not return that love. You know, there are several accounts in the Gospels where, in spite of the words that he spoke and the miracles that he did, that there were people who just either refused to believe or chose not to follow. And I think it's so important for, I, I know for me as an individual to understand that I have not been called to save anyone. I have been called to reach out to people with the message of the gospel and with acts of kindness. That's my obedience. The harvest belongs to him. And I think we've got to be very careful about worrying about results. I think we've simply got to worry about being obedient. So, that's where I fall individually, as, or where I come from individually as, when I look at personal outreach, we're here today as a group because most, if not all of you, consider this your home church. So how does this affect us, corporately. What is this outreach supposed to look like? How many of you guys could recite the vision statement for community Bible church? How many of you know where to find it? Not bad. Let me read it to you. Our vision is to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and to lead others to Him. We exist to reach up to Him in a lifestyle of worship and to reach out to others with the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose, then, can be summed up really just a couple of things here. Uh, we exist to reach up to Him in a lifestyle of worship, relationship, okay, that's relationship, and to reach out to others. That would be evangelism. That would be outreach. You know, that's pretty nice. I like that. That's simple. That means that there are only two things that this church needs to be good at. The first one is loving God. 
I can do that, right? Can we do that? Can we make Jesus everything? Our only thing? Can we make Him a priority? That our, our relationship with Him, that, 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 that individual, and, and trust me, folks, this, this doesn't happen just corporately, okay? It begins individually. When we as individuals make Him number one in our life, that's where things really get powerful when we get together corporately. So our goal is corporately, as a body, is to be making Jesus first. Is to be sold out absolutely, to be continually growing in our relationship and our closeness to Him. And because of that, we begin to understand His heart. We begin to understand His character and His way. That's number one. I can do that. I want to do that. And number two is this. Lead others to Him. That we begin to take the same things that God is doing in us through that relationship and we say, you know what? Let's find some other people and let's share this with them. So as a church, folks, this is, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's simple. We only have to be focused on these two things. But if we're not doing these two things, which is our purpose, right? If we're not doing these two things, then why do we exist? If Jesus is not the center of everything we do, because of a lifestyle of worship and relationship, then our getting together really has no meaning except some type of social function. And if we're not actively bringing people to Jesus, then once again, we're missing part of our purpose. And again, we become just a some type of a social club that likes to get together, but really doesn't have a mission. And instead of being outward focused, we become very inward focused. The calling of Community Bible Church, becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Fully devoted followers. I think that, that, that speaks to me about being a disciple. And to lead others to Him. That speaks to me about being an ambassador. Or as Paul put it, one who calls out to the, those that don't know him. Be reconciled to Christ. Folks, I, I, I believe that the calling of God in this church is meant to be expressed outside of these walls. I think that, that is absolutely vital. I don't think there's any way that we can say that we are... And I think that we... I think we're becoming more and more aware as a church of the importance of true discipleship. And I think that that is a great, uh, I think it's an important thing for us to focus on, to, to really understand what it means to follow Christ, to understand uh, his, his character, and to understand His ways, how He wants to live. Uh, I believe that's discipleship. But the other part of that call, folks, takes place the six days a week that we are not together here. And I think we have to be doing both of them in order for us to say that we are, that we're really fulfilling the call of God in this church. And our mission, CBT's mission, well, that's the stuff we do. Uh, that's things like the big service. It's Awana. It's women's ministry, men's ministry, 
youth group and, and some of the uh, some of the events that we have, and the life groups that we're putting together right now. All of those are part of the mission. It, it, it's the actual things that we're doing to accomplish that that ultimate that ultimate purpose. And I think that if we're doing things right, we'll find that our calling and our mission will always support the purpose that we say we exist for. So as I as I wrap things up here, what I what I'd like to ask you about is this. Well, let me let me tell you a story. When I was when I was in seventh grade, I I became aware of a a growth under my armpit. How many of you guys know what a skin tag is? Yeah. Oh, come on. Most, most of us have had skin tags. Well, I it, it was this big floppy piece of skin. It's about this big, and it was right it was right under my armpit. And I'd never seen it before. It, it just appeared. And yeah, it was embarrassing. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't want to go without a shirt. I didn't want to raise my arms. Uh, and I remember that. I had no idea where it came from. And, you know, to be honest, it, it, was, it was just useless. It served, served no purpose at all. And eventually, one day, it just fell off. First thing is 12. 12 through 21 says this. And I'm going to read this in the context of what I believe each individual's role is here in this church. Paul writes to the Corinthians, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. For the Jews and Gentiles say the free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of, is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not not, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just where He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What I would like to leave you with today is, for those of you who consider Community Bible Church, your home. And what I'd like to ask you today is what are you called to participate in? And what mission does God want you to fulfill here in this body? Whether it's growing as a devoted follower of Christ, reaching others within and beyond these walls, or hopefully both, we have all been to be a part of this kingdom. I believe that in God's view, there are no skin tags in the body of Christ. There are no parts that just 
don't function. But if you're sitting here today and you're in these pews week after week after week, and, and you know, mind you, I, I don't know that I, I'm not going really to talk to someone who is just common as me. But I am talking to those of us who have been here for a while, who've been here long enough to say that this is home. Folks, I'll tell you what God has called us to do to achieve the purpose and the calling and the mission of this church will take all of us. No doubt about it. He has designed it that way. And so what I'd like you to consider as we walk into the fall together, you know, we have sign-up sheets out there. I know you'll be hearing Pastor Bruce over the next week as we talk about more and more opportunities to be a part of this body and to serve Him. Please consider where God has called you to fit. And if you don't know and you're wondering, can you talk to somebody? Because I'm sure that we can find ways to be a part of all of us being able to advance His kingdom. Yeah. Can you pray with me? Jesus, you coming from heaven's word was the ultimate in outreach. If for no other reason, certainly from a distance perspective, you came because you loved and you saw in me. You took initiative. You didn't wait for us to cry out to you. You didn't wait for us to repent and say we're sorry. Instead, because of your great love, you became one of us. You humbled yourself. And you walked among us. And not only that, but you paid the price for what we have done wrong. That's some kind of outreach. Father, having been at this church and having called it home for over 20 years, I look at this season that we are in and I believe that it is a season of alignment and mission. It is a season in which I believe that you are aligning our hearts with you. Drawing us into a deeper relationship. Touching the areas of our life that don't line up with your character and your will. And I believe it is in preparation for the mission that you've called us to. For the very reason that we exist. Lord, I'm simply praying for my family members. This body in which I have been so blessed and proud to have been a part of for these many years. And I'm praying, Father, that you will get us ready for the harvest that you want to do. 
you would help us, Lord, to all be on board in pursuing the mission that you have called this church to this body of believers. Father, I'm praying that you would unite our hearts behind the Lord Jesus and that we would begin more and more to take the message and the good news, the gospel, outside of these walls. And that you would change this community and this area in your kingdom. One person, one family, one family. Lord, we love you. Please go with us today. And even today, Lord, Keep us mindful and help us to reach out with you. In Jesus' name.